right. Hey, everyone. My name is Ashley Little. I'm joined today by Cameron Peters, Sean Bowen, Kaylee Boddy, and Jacob McPherson. Sorry, it threw me off a little bit because everyone's in a different position this time. Um, and we're back for chapter four of Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Chris was, a, was an FBI negotiator for 24 years before he retired and started the Black Swan Group. Now he teaches his skills to individuals and groups so they can learn how to better negotiate in all areas of their professional lives. Sean has been a fan of this book for a while and regularly references it with sellers, buyers, our private group, and even us. Some of us have read Never Split the Difference multiple times and the others are on their first read through, but we're all excited to learn something new or pick something up we've missed in previous reads. Over the next few weeks, we're going chapter by chapter to discuss all of Chris's techniques and how they can help us, and more importantly, you, learn how to be better negotiators and grow your business. So Sean, take it away for chapter four. Awesome. Welcome back, guys. Uh, looking forward to getting to this chapter with you. This is a fun one as well. Um, this chapter is going to speak to two different parts. Uh, I think it's two or three. Start with no and email magic. Uh, so these are actually really, really good ones that I love a lot. So let's talk about this. Start with no. No to notary. No to purple. No. <laughs> So, guys, your mic. <laughs> inside jokes. Um, so no is always more comfortable to get out so that people don't feel as pressured, right? Giving your counterpart the right to say no helps preserve their uh, anonymy and sense of control. Ask no-oriented questions and the questions that require a no response to help them feel as though they're more in control uh, and keep emotions at bay. Being asked to say yes too soon makes people very defensive. Not just defensive, but very defensive. If you receive a no response, ask, <clears throat> what about this doesn't work for you? What would you need to make this work? It seems there's something here that is bothering you. And the three types of yes responses are counterfeit, confirmation, and commitment. We'll go through those here in a second. So, these are ones that we talk about in the beginning of most of our phone calls that we have in like a script fashion, where we always ask, did I catch you at a good time? Are you okay to talk right now? And even if it turns into a negative, where they say, yeah, it's not a good time to talk. You've left that door open for them to say that and they don't feel pressured for you to do what most people in, I would say, in the real estate industry are doing, right? They're pressuring the call. They're pressuring the talk. They're trying to corner them into a space and make them make yes, right? So this is where that getting to know matters. Um, being asked to say yes too soon is a really big issue, right? You see, the, I see this a lot with people. Um, this is the old way of selling. I do not feel like this is the, the new way of just having a real conversation with people and allowing that door to stay open to say no, right? <clears throat> so I like this. I think we use a lot of it in our tactics already. Um, I'd like to hear, we're going to talk about more about how our group does it and what they feel and what they use. Um, the other ones we need to go through here, I, I missed this as it was scrolling down. It says, use no as a mean as, as establishing an agreement is now a bad time to talk, which we were talking about before, kind of like the beginning of our script when we call. You might need to force your counterpart into a no to help bring them back to a baseline, intentionally mislabel an emotion, ask a ridiculous question that can only be answered by a no. This is... <clears throat> really good stuff guys so let's go through it um talk individually and again we'll start let's let's round robin a little different this time let's go and start with cam cam uh, what was this chapter for you and how you've used it 
Sorry, I've changed my screens today and um, flipped them back and forth. Messed me up. So, um, yeah, I like to start with, I always start the conversation, especially if I haven't talked to them before, or you can tell that they're, they're on the road or it sounds busy in the background as soon as you pick up the phone, right? I always start with, is this a bad time to talk? Um, and I do it that way on purpose because either they're going to say, yes, it is. And then, okay, well, no problem. When's a better time to talk? Or they're going to go ahead and say, no, nah, it's okay. Well, so then there's one no right away. And I haven't even talked to him about what I want to talk to him about yet. Um, and I also like to use, you know, what about this doesn't work for you? And today I used uh, what, what would you need to make this work? Um, because it was back and forth and back and forth. And I just wasn't getting... I wasn't getting the feeling that everything was out there, right? There's something that's that's causing you to say, uh, or to be reluctant to say, yeah, we can do this. We can go ahead and you know sign some paperwork on this property. Um, so what what do you need to make this work, right? How can we make this work? Um, and that that took it a step forward. I, I like that one as well because it usually uncovers something that they're not you know letting on about or reminds you about something that you you've um, left. In this case, it was, you know, I really want this done within 30 days. And you were talking about 45 days. That was the issue, but it hadn't been brought up clearly that they wanted it closed a little bit closer. So, you know, we could talk about the timeline and I don't believe that that's something that would have been brought up had that question not been posed exactly like that. So that's what I take from this for sure. Cool. Kaylee. When I first heard um, Cam and Jacob uh, in one of the meetings before I joined the team, guys doing a role play, and I heard, I think it was Jacob say, is this a bad time to talk? I was so dumbfounded. Like, why would you ask, <laughs> ask that? Because again, that goes against totally everything I've been taught in sales. Um, but then, you know, later on, Sean, you explained it. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. You explained, you know, what, based off of this book. And that makes so much sense. But yeah, that totally threw me off. And I get it. I understand it. Um, why we're doing it. Um, and the other part, I really haven't used um, the other things. I have the first one of the, if you receive a no, what, what to say, I use what, I actually said, what do you need from me to make this work? Cause it was not work related, but that's like the only thing that I use. Again, I'm trying to use this in my daily life <laughs> as well. Cause I really think this is a good way to, to communicate with people overall. So, um, but yeah, I haven't had to use this that much yet. Okay. All right, Jacob. What do you got? Um, so yeah, so I use this, I mean, literally in everyday talk and almost every conversation with sellers, I think we all do for the most part. Um, one of the big things that I think I use probably more often than not is mislabeling intentionally. And I do that to try to understand whether or not my assumption, right, or my theory matches uh, what the seller's intent is, right? So um, a lot of times um, I do that by um, intentionally calling out um, what type of sale it is, right? So a lot of the times, I mean, we go right at it when it comes to, well, it kind of sounds like a retail sale, right? Well, no, it's not really retail because I need to get rid of it sooner rather than later. Oh, okay. Okay. So it sounds like you're looking at what? Sell in the next six months? Well, no, I'm, I'm looking to sell in the next like 60 to 90 days, right? So 
just by intentionally throwing things out there, I like to think of it as theories or assumptions, but seeing how the seller responds to them and then kind of reorienting yourself from there as far as your talk is concerned. Um, is now a bad time to talk? We use, I think, literally in every single uh, call with a seller. Um, and there is a one thing that the book actually talks about. That question is phrased that way very specifically. It's, is now a bad time to talk? Not, is now a good time to talk? Because a good time to talk, people want to say no, right? So if you say, is now a good time to talk? If somebody is going to more naturally say, no, it's not a good time to talk, right? Then you're not going to have the continuation of that particular conversation. Whereas if you phrase it, is now a bad time to talk? Most people want to say no anyway, especially when it comes to a sales call. So if you phrase it in the way of, is it a bad time? They're going to say no. And then that allows you to continue the conversation. So a lot of it is based on a very specific way to ask these types of questions. And then, I mean, the favorite, I think, between all of us is, uh, have you given up on this project or have you given up on trying to sell this home? Um, most people don't want to be perceived as having given up on anything, right? So that usually generates a response. And I think that, uh, I, don't, I don't know, Cameron, if you've measured it recently, but for a while, I think I was every four out of five. I wouldn't have spoken to a seller, you know, in months. And then all of a sudden I asked that question, have you given up on this project? And then boom, within within an hour, they're responding saying no, because of this, or yes, I have. And okay, cool. Like remove from the list. So mislabeling and intentionally going for the no, I think are keys when it comes to proving hypotheses and, and assumptions and trying to understand whether or not what you want to do with the property and, and what the seller is uh, ultimately wanting to do with the property are the same or if they're different. And then that allows you to qualify and go from there. Those are the biggest takeaways I have. Cool. Yeah, I think the biggest um, or the most important part of the section is allowing the seller to remain autonomous. So like Jacob said in our previous episode, buying and selling houses is an extremely personal experience. Most people will do one to three house or buy or sell one to three houses in their lifetime. And as you get started in wholesaling, you'll typically as a medium wholesaler, medium-sized wholesaling business, you're going to be doing one to three a month. Um, and again, that's on the small medium side. So it's, it's a very personal experience and it's important for the sellers to feel like they have their own autonomy, to feel like they have the option to say no at any given point in time. Um, it, you know, they, they need to be able to know that uh, especially in the negotiation stage, they can back out if they decide it is not for them, they don't want to sell their house, anything like that. It gets a little bit dicier once they've signed into the legal paperwork. We have had this issue come up a few times is that some people don't understand what they're signing is an actual legal document. Um, and we've had some people going around signing three or four uh, yeah, just like going, signing three or four contracts because they're like, ah, I'm hedging my bets. That, that's not how this works. So they need to feel autonomous, but also they need to realize that it, it's not, you get to have your cake and eat it too. You, you stick with the one person, it's a legal contract, go from there. Um, I think that's it for me on this section. Did we, I don't think we talked about the three different types of yes responses though. No, I wanted everybody to kind of go over those first and then get to these because I think these are really good. So the types of yeses are, are counterfeit, 
confirmation and commitment. So how does a counterfeit yes sound? You ask somebody like, does everything else work for this? Everything okay here? And they're like, yep, not a problem. Total counterfeit, right? Um, confirmation versus it's a reflex response to a question, empty uh, affirmation with no promise of action, right? So totally just to get the yes to you and not really mean anything, right? It's almost like a counterfeit. Um, and then the commitment that is a true agreement that leads to action, um, which is, so we're going to put this paperwork to you um, tomorrow at four o'clock. We're going to jump on the phone. We're going to jump on our emails and we're going to go ahead and get this thing signed. Yes. Right. So this is the three types of yeses that we're looking for or trying to read through um, or get through. Right. Like in the most common one is the counterfeit. That's probably the most common one that you get. Right. Like. So you're looking to sell this house? Yep. Right. And then you get that yep instead of a yes. Right. What does that turn into? Usually just a line of BS coming down the pipe, right? Like, yeah, for the right price. And you're like, all right, here we go. Right. So like, you know where that's going or you really start digging into, yeah, they want to sell. And they're like, I start asking the questions, right? What's going on? You know, how, what, what's happening here? How can I help you? Which is digging into the problem, right? Digging into the pain points. So real quick, we'll go around here and talk the, to the, the yes piece of this. And then we'll get to the last pieces, which is just the use no as a means of establishing an agreement, um, which we talked about already. So I don't think we really need to go over that one. Um, but I think the mislabeling you talked to, Jacob, and was pretty good. But these yeses, I think we can make a quick round robin on these. Go for it, Cam. Yeah, so the, the best way that I've found to to use these portions to get that um, commitment yes is to get the seller to actually repeat something back to you right that leads to that yes so you know so and that's why i always ask the question are you looking are you looking to sell this today yeah sure okay cool what has you looking to sell uh i don't know you just called me nope right so you know that if the answer comes back well i'm actually moving here pretty soon or um I can't keep up with this place. There's too much maintenance. Okay, well then there's something. So it sounds like, again, using the label, right? With in coinciding with this, but it sounds like the house is a little bit too much for you to handle. And so, you know, if we could come to the right, you know, to the right agreement, to the right price, you'd be willing to sell and, and move on. Yeah, that sounds right. That's more of a commitment. Yes, right. And if you can get the person actually talking about <laughs> what you're trying to get them to and and repeating that with you, then that's the best way I found to get it. It's not just a straight yes, or, a, you know, even a straight no, it's a straight, it's a yes with a little bit of explanation behind it, or a little bit of repeating what you're telling them, or them asking you questions as well, I find is helpful. Cool. Kaylee? Well, the um, confirmation, yes, um, I have heard often, that's like the example you gave when um, someone calls yes for the right price. So they're saying yes, but there's no promise in there that they would actually do it. So I do hear that one often. Um, the counterfeit yet, yes, I can't think of an example um, of that using um, in real estate that I've uh, experienced so far, because that's the one saying yes when they really want to say no. So I haven't had, had an example of that yet unless you use my kid did you hear me are you listening to me 
Yes, when they really want but <laughs> that and commitment. I am so close to getting that yes. I can feel it coming, uh, which is them truly saying yes and getting the the agreement or the contract over and then getting it back. So getting close to that one. Very cool. All right, Jacob. Kaylee, uh, Kaylee kind of, um, what she and I are thinking along the same lines, because when I was thinking counterfeit yeses, the one thing I kept jumping back to was anytime my wife asked me to do something around the house that I don't want to do, right, <laughs> instead of just saying no, because I know that if I say no, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to catch shit for it for sure, right, so especially if it's things that I should be responsible for, so I always think of that every single time I think of counterfeit yeses, because I always want to say no, but I end up saying yes, and then sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, and that gets me in trouble even more, so I'm sure we've all been there, but that's the biggest thing I could think of for that confirmations i really like the way that cam kind of described it right the idea of um it's kind of like progressing through the call or, or through the sales process so to speak with a seller um i think that the affirmation and the confirmation of of repeating back to the seller what they're saying right so you know talking about that the summary of everything that needs to happen in order for that seller to move forward right so as you start to deep dive into that, you're going to start to ask those types of questions of, well, what would make this work for you, right? How does that look? If we're, if we, let's just say we could do that, would you move forward today, right? So those types of questions are going to get you those confirmations as well as the commitment moving forward. Because if you go through, you identify every single obstacle that a seller is ultimately telling you, and then you summarize all those obstacles. And then at the end of it, you ask, if we can remove those or if we can do those things, can we move forward and sign paperwork tonight, right? That's when you go from confirmation to commitment. And obviously that's the biggest step in the sale because that's when you actually get the commitment to close. So, but in the beginning, it's all about allowing the, the seller to feel like they have the power, right? In, in the conversation and allowing them to be comfortable because up until that point, a lot of it, like if you come out and you ask a closing question at the beginning of your conversation, you might as well just close the door and hang up the phone, right? You're not going to get anywhere. And even if the seller does say yes, you know that it's counterfeit at that point. So it's just the idea of having to move through the sales process and still allowing the seller to feel comfortable, giving them the power, giving them the authority to say yes and say no whenever they so choose. And hopefully if you do it correctly and you frame everything correctly and you're able to identify the obstacles, you can get the commitment at the end of the conversation. Nice. Ashley, where do you feel like you might use this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've been trying to think about a good answer. Um, the only thing I can think of is, you know, as we're trying to get title done and sometimes I need a lot of information from a seller or I need them to, or even if we're working with a joint venture partner, for example, and it's kind of like, okay, I need you to contact the attorney so that you can get them this. They need this information so that we can close. And then just going through um, all of those stages where they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it when I can. I'll do it when I can. Or, you know, the reflexive, like the confirmation, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I'll have it done when I, like, you know, next week or something like that. And then the actual commitment. Um, <laughs> and actually, now that I think about it, there was a little bit of me doing this with Jacob recently. Uh -huh. Yep. That's why I was laughing in the background. I was like, yep, that's me. She's talking about me. Okay. Well, that one wasn't about you, but now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> um, that last director's commentary, he was like, he was like, because he 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you sound like you want to do them. You were just busy. And yes. so it was kind of like a, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I was or like, no, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And then I wouldn't get to it. Done by yeah. <laughs> we have it done by Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can have it done by end of day Friday. Monday rolls around um, or like Saturday, I think. And I'm like, you know, it's due Monday. Like it's supposed to go out on Monday. And he's mm -hmm. like in the background, like, fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I will get I it on Monday. At noon. We, we got it. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was, yeah, one of my more recent examples. Awesome. So around Robin there to talk a little bit about how it deals in real estate and how you can use those. And then obviously in some personal, right? So a few different members having some personal experiences with it as well. All right, let's move to the last one here of this chapter. And uh, this is what we are talking. They refer to as email magic. Uh, we refer to it as almost like a text message magic or maybe even a voicemail magic. And this is one that you can word it um, a little bit different, but it's nonetheless, it's still the same, which is a, a question that says, have you given up on this project? Or maybe in the real estate side, of it, it'll stay. Have you given up selling one, two, three Broad Street? Right. And this is going back to where I think we've talked about a few times that people don't like to be called out for not completing something. Right. Or people don't like to be called out on giving up on anything. So we've used this in a few different text messages. We used it in voicemails and the response is through the roof nine times out of 10 and guys back me up here, but it usually works. You'll get a response, whether it's the one you want, doesn't really matter. What we're looking for is, is to bring a very cold lead out of the depth and bring it to the table and say, yes, something happened. Right. So for a hot second, let's talk about that. And um, we'll do a round robin here and, and let's start with Cam to do that one. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give the example right away of when Sean says it might not be the response you want to get. And that's definitely the, I sold that a month ago, dude. I thought you would give up. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? And usually um, sometimes it takes that stuff a, a time to record, right? So definitely good at going back and seeing if it's sold, but sometimes I missed it. And I mean, although that's not the response we want, I'm still good with it because now I'm not going to waste more time next week trying to call you back. So that's a real quick example of the response we don't want to get, but it's still helpful in the end. Haley. Yeah, so this is my fifth week on the phone. So I hadn't got to doing those yet, but I you know, will send some of those out this week. So I am looking forward to see how many of these do come back with some type of response. Awesome, I think that might work a little bit for you on the retail side of things too, yeah? Um, yeah, again, so old leads, I certainly actually will go back and do that. <laughs> send some emails for that for some old leads, yeah. Nice. Jacob? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said before, I think my response rate on average is about four out of five of these, and whether or not that's a text or I actually use it in the, on the engineering side of the house as well. I use it in emails to customers over there, and it's the same thing. It brings things out of the woodworks, and it's, it's just truly amazing when it comes to that. So uh, yeah, very, very, very effective. And it's not just, um, it's not necessarily just in emails, just in text too. I mean, you can do it to motivate anybody, you know, in a certain direction. Like, I mean, if, if there's a deadline coming up, right? Like, do you want to be, do you want to be perceived as the guy who doesn't get stuff done when he said he's going to get stuff done? Like, even that is like, well, no, like, fuck, no, I don't No, I'm going to do that. Right. So Ashley, next time you can use that on me and see how that goes. <laughs> See you All right, Ashley, how about you? 
Um, so the first thing I thought of here was actually something you did to another wholesaler who there was this whole thing with this wholesaler and it was a group of people from out of town. Eventually they just stopped responding to you. And then you said something like, oh, so you're not going to do what you said you were going to do. And boom, like within a minute, he had called you back and it was not a great phone conversation. <laughs> um, that was one of those things where he was very negative and was kind of yelly, but man, did it get a response? <laughs> <laughs> probably exactly the response you were hoping for but <laughs> yeah awesome so yeah i think that'll complete us guys uh it takes us through for chapter four uh the recap here was just dealing with getting to know letting your seller feel comfortable um leaving that door open to let them control the conversation by allowing them to say no and then describing or feeling what the counterfeit yeses are so the counterfeit the, or the three types of yeses, but the counterfeit, the confirmation, and the commitment. Um, and then how do you get that hold lead that just won't call you back or won't text you back or you can't get any response? How do you get them back to the table? And that's the, the, what we've all been talking about is, is did you give up here? Did you, did you already complete selling or did you finish selling, right? Did you, did, you, did you give up on the sale? Like any of that kind of stuff is what's going to allow this to really get some movement. So thanks for joining us, guys. I appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll see you in the next one. Oh, just one more thing, my little outro. Um, so <laughs> pretty much the same thing, but thanks so much for listening to chapter four of Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. We'll be back next week with chapter five. If you're enjoying our podcast or our YouTube channel, please leave us reviews or comments. Let us know what you think. We want to hear um, what you want to hear about next, how wholesaling of the out of the box or never split the difference has helped you or just anything, any kind of feedback. We love feedback. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey everyone. It's Ashley with wholesaling out of the box. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We've got a lot more content coming for you on your podcatcher of choice, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the above. So We'd really, really appreciate it if you would be willing to write a review if you have the time today for us down on whatever, wherever you're listening to this, because reviews help us so much to get in front of more people. And it lets us see what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you're interested in, things like that. So give us any kind of feedback. Sean and I are always saying we like all feedback, all uh, constructive criticisms so that we can get better, so that we can give you the content that you're looking for. So if you could leave us a review, that would be magical. And that's, that's it. Thanks for listening.